Um, and so when we were looking at pride globally, it's very easy to say, well, America, you know, we'll have a, um, a rainbow stand and we'll, you know, hand out laptop stickers and we'll you know make a big thing of it and actually it's for me it was much more around thinking about what do we do for those countries where i don't want them to feel excluded on today's show we are joined by estelle jackson the global diversity inclusion and belonging lead at poly this is tech talks i'm your host david savage the twice weekly podcast that talks to technology leaders just to try and gain a little bit of insight for the peer community and as a podcast just in case you're interested in technology so hopefully you enjoy the show joining me today jack pierce for this well, let's say it's a Halloween special. It's not Halloween special. Uh, the, tech, the Tech Talk interview has nothing to do with Halloween. Neither does the news story. However, listeners, if you'll indulge me a second, I want to tell Jack a ghost story because it is Halloween on Thursday. Okay, ghost story. Go on. Don't spook me story. out too much. I think you'll be all right sat in an office in, in Victoria. But uh, my mum told me this yesterday because we were at. I had a lovely day with my mum. We went to the National Trust House, uh, Ham, Ham House, which is a 17th century um, uh, mansion. Uh, so very nice. And we were talking about ghost stories because they were doing ghost tours and it seemed appropriate because obviously pumpkins, Halloween, everything else around at the moment. Um, my dad is a parish vicar up in Northumberland and has a number of different churches across the moors. One of them is not a particularly nice building. It's okay. a church, uh, a place called Edmund Byers, and they've reutilized things like Celtic heads. Do you know much about Celtic heads, Jack? Not really, to be honest, other than Scott uh, Brown and Kieran Tierney. <laughs> Heavily linked to the occult, uh, often oh. found in Roman burial sites. Uh, and some churches, you will sometimes find them, have re- repurposed them and, and integrated them into buildings. Not only that, it's got a fairly horrible kind of all-seeing eye masonic uh, window my mom and dad have never liked the building mm. anyway several years ago one of the church wardens died and oh. one of his last requests for his coffin to be um left overnight in the church before the funeral okay. and the, the other wardens decided, you know they honored this wish put the coffin in the church locked up and went to the local pub which is a few minute walk away okay Edwin Byers is up on a moor. It's isolated. There is only one way in and out. The church wardens, apart from my dad, are the only people with a key. They're sitting in the pub, and all of a sudden they they hear the church bell ringing, not just slowly, wildly ringing. And they're like, hang on about. We're all sat in the pub. We're all having a pint. We've got the key. No one else can be in that building. So they left the pub walked to the church. As they got to the churchyard, the ringing stopped, unlocked the church, went inside, no one there. Coffin sat in the middle of the church. No explanation for the ringing bell. Was the coffin, the coffin wasn't empty, was it? No, the coffin wasn't empty. He was there, lying there. So, okay, okay. Uh, Sounds to me like a couple of chav kids had uh, scaled the side of the church. (laughs) <laughs> on a moor in the middle of Northumberland I think not no I just thought we'd start Ooh. with a spooky tale yeah, it's I mean, Halloween in two days time Dave you've definitely got a, uh, a career in storytelling um, I think you've got you've got this nice sort of slightly northern twang but you've got a very nice soothing tone as well I think you could uh, you could <laughs> usurp Stephen Fry at Audible well there we go anyway I, I thought that would be a nice way to start Halloween in a couple of days 
doing my pumpkin tonight. I, I hope you have fun if you're going out trick-or-treating with your kids. But um, should we get back to technology? Yeah, why not? <laughs> so today's interview is with Estelle, Estelle Jackson from Polly. Um, uh, I hope you enjoy this. There's a huge amount of interesting kind of perspective on this because she is the Global Diversity, Inclusion and Belonging Lead. And that's a relatively new title. So Easy for you to say as well. Mm, yes. Um, so... No, that's not going to make any sense to anyone because they don't know that you screwed up your notes. I know. Yeah, just just for context, I put Estelle down in my notes as the lead of longing. So, you know, close. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we'll go to the interview and we'll be back with some tech news uh, and some commentary on it afterwards. So today we're talking to Estelle. You're, I don't know, get this title right because it's on, on LinkedIn, it's quite long. Yeah. Is it the global head or lead of belonging lead. and inclusion? Lead, lead is fine, yeah. <laughs> but belo- belonging and inclusion mm-hmm. being the two core words of, of your job role. Absolutely. Uh, and that's here at Poly, mm-hmm. which is the, the new company that was formed from Polycom and... Plantronics. Right. And when did they come together? Uh, July last year officially. Right. But our new name as Poly was March of this year. So relatively new. And how long have you been in this role? Because you've been at, at Poly longer than you've been in this position. So um, in all honesty, at Polycom, I um, was the recruitment lead for um, Europe, the Middle East and Africa. So that was 25 countries that I supported from a recruitment point of view. Um, but always had a bit of a passion for making sure that people were in the right place in the right time and felt included in the they belonged in our business um, and that evolved into a project team that I was part of and then my uh, CHRO asked me to lead it and then when we became Polly and um, I was lucky enough to be offered it as my full-time role. So you've created it in pretty, <laughs> pretty much yeah. Which is great. <laughs> yeah. No I mean that's the ideal isn't it you know you kind of you want to do a job then create it yourself rather than. Pretty pretty much I think and, and actually there were you know, uh, I'm lucky enough that I guess my superpower or my biggest um, skill, maybe to call it, is is networking and relationship building. Oh, there's a surprise with the recruitment background. Right. So it kind <laughs> of, it, it helped me to get the right people in the right place and engage with people. So most of my role nowadays is listening mm. and testing. So there's two parts. So listening is making sure that I talk to almost every country in the world at least once a week and understanding where their pressure points are and how they're feeling and a lot of it is quite emotional Um, and the second part is testing so when I think about things from different people's points of view whether that be somebody with um, uh, visual impairment or or hearing disabilities anything like that I, um, I think about how our company works for them. You touch on impairment there. I think when people think of inclusion at the minute, they still probably default go to potentially gender, if Mm -hmm. not even just more broadly minority groups. They don't necessarily, they're beginning to think maybe about mental health, but they're probably not necessarily thinking about accessibility, uh, hidden disabilities, as well as visual disabilities. So where in that rather broad church do you find yourself spending most of your time? Um, <laughs> I would say everywhere, yeah. <laughs> if I'm honest. Um, my, my job, writing my job description is quite difficult and I love that. Um, so you're, you're absolutely right. So um, inclusion for us is making sure that every voice is heard. So what that means is whether you're a female, a parent, a carer, you have a disability, you, um, you need mental health help, mm. um, you... Um, can only work from home because that's where you live but we ha- you have the skills that we need um, every voice is heard and valued and I would imagine in a global role 
you can't simply go, right, this is going to be our approach because the way that, say, masculinity is perceived in various different countries has a bearing on the mental health of men from one place to another. There's been lots of studies on the differences between the US, the UK, Western Europe and Eastern Europe and how masculinity is perceived and the effect on mental health. Absolutely. I mean, and so I would say the the approach is customised, which... I, I can do, but actually sometimes I think when I when I speak to different countries, my husband would probably say when he hears me working from home that it's I'm like a chameleon. He gets a bit concerned because I have to remember my different languages and how I persuade the different countries to adopt things. So China, for example, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, mental health, for example, is 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 not really talked about. Whereas in the UK, you know, we've we've rolled out mental health first aider training mm. and we make it a very open subject. Um, and so part of my role is making sure that each country or region follows the same inclusive behaviours but is culturally specific with a local lens. I think I think before we maybe dive into some of the inclusion piece, one thing around your role that might be quite interesting and people might find uh I suppose quite interesting to understand. We're, we're, we're increasingly told that we should have passion projects run off the side of our desk, mm-hmm. and yours has turned into a job, and that is happening for a lot of people across industry. How they then get buy-in from people when you're going to them with this new job that you've created and bringing them on that journey with you—that must be a bit of a challenge. And getting that buy-in and getting that support and sponsorship. What what do you think is is key to getting that right? Um. So for, so the biggest part of of that piece for me was resilience. Mm-hmm. Resilience is a really hard thing to learn um, and it's a human skill. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the term soft skills. Um, soft skills for me are core business skills. You know, whatever you do in the world, being able to persuade, engage, motivate, um, you know, talk to people, build relationships are business skills. So soft skills is not a, a term I'm hugely a fan of. But for me, resilience. Um, not everybody is going to believe in you. Not everybody is going to think that what you're talking about is an important piece of their day job. Mm. Um, not everybody is going to believe that your passion is their passion. And I think that when you can find a few key sponsors who get it and can can start the ball rolling and, and roll that, get that ball rolling into something much bigger you start to build a a social movement. And for me, that's how things like um, celebrating certain days, you know, I went out to each region and said, hey, I need your help. I would really like to make sure that we nod to specific things in countries, what's important to you. And that was how we came up with a calendar of events where each quarter, we make sure that we celebrate something. So that could be pride, that could be mental health, that could be women, so, you know, International Women's Day and that kind of thing, uh, volunteering. Um, But making sure that you have those advocates and get them talking in country or in region or in in your office if you're UK-based or wherever, um, gets that momentum building. I can imagine that that colleagues and multinational organisations must be a brilliant vehicle for... Uh, spreading the message of something like pride into cultures where I suppose maybe it wouldn't penetrate so so naturally. Yeah, and it's also making sure that you are very socially aware. Um, so what that means is when you're talking to um, the Middle East, for example, where pride and being homosexual is a very difficult subject to talk through. Mm. And that doesn't mean that in the Middle East nobody is openly 
gay or or homosexual, it means that it's illegal in some places and it's hidden. Um, And so when we were looking at pride globally, it's very easy to say, well, America, you know, will have a, um, a rainbow stand and will, you know, hand out laptop stickers and we'll you know make a big thing of it and actually it's for me it was much more around thinking about what do we do for those countries where i don't want them to feel excluded yeah and i suppose that's the that's the piece of inclusion isn't it because it could be very easy to alienate them but it's thinking you're doing the right thing yeah so um I, i can give so many examples it makes me smile to think about it you know but having those in country in region advocates ambassadors um you know um evangelists cheerleaders is what i call them mm-hmm. um who you can go to and say hey i need to know how this is going to land and how can i be culturally sensitive but also make sure that you're not excluded by me assuming from a bias point of view that you're not going to want to be included you mm-hmm. know we've had lots of examples where for example um yeah, christmas right mm-hmm. so when you go to most european countries when you go to america everybody has a christmas tree and the office is decorated really nicely yeah and for years um we didn't send anything or check in to see if the Middle East wanted anything Christmas related because they're a Muslim country and they don't celebrate Christmas. And I questioned that with our facilities team and said, have you ever asked if they want anything? And about a week later, I got a request from the office manager in our Dubai site to say, can we have a Christmas tree this year? You know, so we'd made that assumption for a long time. Um, With Pride, a couple of years ago, I had some sticks of rock made and I had them made in a rainbow shirt, rainbow colour. And they said poly pride through the middle, polycom pride, sorry, through the middle. Um, and I messaged the Middle East people and said, um, I'm going to send this. If you don't want to put it in the kitchen, if you don't want to use it, if you don't want to give it to your children, completely respect that. But I'm going to send it so that you can decide what you do with it. Mm. And I got a picture about four days later of them all holding it and giving it to their children and thought it was a lovely idea. Yeah. And so I guess my point, what I'm saying is don't assume. And that's where mitigating bias and and unconscious bias and just making assumptions about different places. And it doesn't have to be, I'm in a global role, so I do it globally. But even if you're in a UK role, don't assume that, you know, people won't want to come to an event or won't want to be included. You should always go from a frame of everybody is included and they can self-select themselves out. Yes. Which is very different to not including people thinking you're going to upset them. Do you think that a lot of firms still overlook accessibility as a as a topic? And I suppose Polly would be an interesting organisation to ask, given that you are a communications company, primarily dealing with audiovisual comms and making making that work life balance piece easier for people to work from anywhere in the world. Yeah, I mean, I um, it's rare for me not to have a headset on. Um, I my children um, live in a world where you know they spend their whole lives with a headset on, whether that's in the car going to school, um, watching TV at home, so I don't have to hear the full volume of the TV. Um, I work with about five different headsets, and and it works for me. And I think the next generation are growing up with that being the norm. Um, I think that having being able to connect with other people is a is a human condition right you you want to be able to connect and i think that video conferencing is making that so much more possible um it's it's a part of my job that really makes me smile when i talk to my children in the evening over dinner and they say what did you do today and they tell me and then i say do you know what today i've spoken to australia uh beijing uh hyderabad um dubai you know the uk Germany, Poland, and I can reel off like 15 different countries and they think that's quite normal. They go, oh, that's cool. 
But they, it's, um, I have a, a quite a funny anecdote that when my daughter was six, I got called into her school for parents' evening. And they, they said to me, um, you know, she's, she's a lovely little girl, but she does tell some tall tales. And I said, um, oh, okay, what does that mean? And they said, well, she considers herself a weather person. And I said, okay, what does that mean? And they said, well, she will come in in the morning and when we're talking about our day, she will say, it's raining in Hyderabad or um, it's insanely hot in Dubai today <laughs> um, or um, whatever. You know, they're preparing for a, um, a storm in um, Austin in Texas. And the teacher would say, you know, you, you need to stop making these things up, Lily. And she'd be like, I'm not making things up. And I laughed and I said, she's, that, she's not making that up. And they said, how would she know that? I said, because when I'm on video conferences before school, she will quite often poke her head in the screen and wave at everybody. And her character thing is to ask what the weather's like. Right. So she has a connection with all these different countries and my colleagues. And my colleagues get quite upset if she doesn't join and say, what's the weather like? Hi, everybody. You know, because that's the kind of company we are and what we work in. And kids are getting children are getting used to that yeah um so for me the accessibility piece is yeah you're right you know we have a responsibility as a community as a company and with our partners to make sure that everybody has access to what i have access to or what, what our colleagues have access to so that's you know we make headsets that are hearing aid compatible we are working with partners on closed captioning you know, so that when you're using our video technology, um, you can turn on a function, which means that if you're hard of hearing or there's any reason why, you know, you might be, English might be your second language, you know, that there is that expectation that you can still be included. Yes. Um, and it's becoming a very big subject. Um, it's not a subject that I think will go away. It's actually becoming a bigger part of the business world is how we make sure everybody is included. Last quick question then. You're in this huge role, which, as we've touched on here, is very broad and diverse and dealing with different cultures and having to think about different sensitivities. And it's your full-time job. Mm -hmm. I, maybe you'll tell me that I'm wrong, but my impression is that a role like yours is still reasonably rare for a lot of organisations. I think that inclusion tends to be a project group of volunteers from across an organisation mm -hmm. who have a vested interest. So if it's not their full-time job, and it's this big beast. What what one or two things would you say, you know what, focus on these things. This is where you can make an impact and move the dial. Um, so I'd probably take it from a couple of angles. So network is everything. Yeah. That's a really big piece for me. I have a thing that I'm trying to include as a habit for everybody in our business, which is when you wake up and you go online, add five people every day to your LinkedIn network. You will be amazed at the knowledge and the network and the information that you can gain every single day when you add people to your connections. My second thing would be, um, yeah, uh, you know, ask for help. There's a ton of people in this world, me included. You know, I'm part of about three or four different advisory boards for small businesses, for different companies. Don't be afraid to ask for help and nice. advice. And there are people, hopefully like me out there, you know, that, that, that are willing to kind of give a bit of time to, to, to help. Um, and thirdly, I would probably say, you know, try and focus on one or two key things. Don't try and boil the ocean. There's right. so much, and I do this myself. Then in, in certain days, I'm trying to focus on mental health, gender, accessibility, you know, race, you know, religion. There's so many different things you can go for. For me, focus on what's important to your company. 
try and that's a big question right but what is important to your company are you looking at your board and it's completely male are you noticing that you have colleagues that struggle to get into the office or you notice don't come to the office christmas party or pay attention to what's going on in your organization you will very quickly if you spend five minutes looking around you notice what does and doesn't work in your business um, there's so much information on the internet in terms of how you can change things really quickly. Gender is the biggest one because it's the most obvious. Yeah. Because it's visible, right? If you if you look around you, you know, I can't tell you how many times I hear I've joined a business and I'm the only girl. Look at who your onlys are. So the only parent, the only woman, the only person with a disability, the only black person. Get something done to stop there being that only peace and that's a really quick one well look it's been absolutely fascinating to talk to you thank you for giving up some time and uh yeah i hope the role continues to, to grow and go well thank you the first thing that struck me when i was talking to estelle apart from the fact i had a stinking cold and i was trying not to sniff and, and cough all the time um was the 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 detail and the thought that she went into when talking about hidden disabilities and accessibility. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we, 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 we know this, but I do, I do always forget that, you know, you and I are in a very lucky position and so are all you listeners out there. You know, we are at the, at the, at the precipice of a lot of new and updated news and, you know, what it's like to be inclusive. We hear about it nearly every week. And I think, you know, we are in a good position where we can, we can begin to, to see this stuff. But there's, there's hundreds of thousands of people out there that you know invisible disabilities are just exactly that they're not gonna consider it and you know that's not necessarily for any fault of their own because you know this is an invisible disability but I think what she's trying to trying to get at is point of view and perspective is incredibly important and you've just got to consider that everyone could potentially have something that you know not only makes them unique but that you make makes them different and I mean Estelle is an incredibly driven human, but she's also, I think her levels of empathy and understanding are, are, are so, so high and so important to who she is in her role. Yeah, and I I, I, I like that she challenges uh, their design teams to think about this from the outset. You know, they're a, they're a comms company. They're an audiovisual company, effectively. Mm. Um, so their products have to have this considered because you're right, you know, you and I, are in a very lucky position. So are a lot of people. But if you have a visual impairment or you can't hear or whatever else it might be, some kind of hidden disability that that we're not aware of, Mm. um, and the platform isn't built to take that into consideration, that's, that's a real tragedy, really. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, from what I see in my role, and I can never really talk about my role, but I work for a a SaaS-based cloud company. And more and more now, um, our solutions are all geared at uh, physical real estate and asset management. But more and more, I see addendums in contracts that are geared specifically, and we're talking like five to 15 pages or so, specifically on accessibility you know are the tablets available in different languages are they suitable for deaf people can we do a blind version you know companies are beginning to consider this more and more which is which is fantastic news uh, because like you say invisible disabilities are, are tricky to see hmm. yeah by their very nature of course yeah. um i i adore the fact that she basically built this role out of an existing role absolutely um, 
you know, kudos to to ex recruiters here. Um, <laughs> well, I was just but- going to say this. This kind of goes a long way of righting the wrongs. You know, look, we've both worked in recruitment. Recruitment consultants get a bad rep a lot of the time. You know, they're sometimes yeah. considered like estate agents or whatever. But he, some, you've with, got some a- with good reason, but I think yeah, a lot, yeah. a lot actually without. Well, exactly, yeah. 100%. They are all tarnished with the same brush when a lot of them are great, caring people. But here's an example of an ex-recruiter who cares more than your average Joe, right? Here's an example of a recruiter who's used all of her business skills, not soft skills, which I totally agree with her on her point on business skills versus soft skills. But here's someone that's used all of those business skills to not only create her own role, but to make her company a more welcoming, inclusive place to work. So any mm. any recruiters out there thinking, oh, I'm just going to be doing bums on seats for the rest of my life, use your network, you know, utilize what you do daily for a force for good which is exactly what Estelle's done. And, you know, she can sleep well at night knowing that she's done doing a really, really important job for Polly. But I bet she's, you know, she's very senior at the same time. You know, it's that kind of feeds into, again, that profit with purpose motif, you know. Oh, yeah, global global diversity, inclusion and belonging needs, you know. Yeah, I mean, Um, I just, I think she's a a stellar example of an ex-recruiter that has really taken on what's important to her and made it her own. But it's proof that if you if you are passionate about something, you know, she has that love of culture that you can offer huge value to your organization or another for that matter. But you can offer huge value through passion and persuasion. You get a bit meta now. Is this your look? No. No, keep, keep me out of it. But, you know, she talks about passion, passion projects. She talks about getting buy-in, getting support. You know, resilience is hard to learn. Um you know, find sponsors who get it and get you, build social movements, you know, all of those things. Absolutely. We we live in this in this incredibly quick changing environment where skills come in and out of fashion. But you know what? Um passion mm. won't have a lifespan of three years. You might need to work in slightly different ways to be able to harness that passion, but that that can truly sustain um a long term career. Hundred percent. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and I mean, just just to add one more point, Dave. Everton needs to be included, right? You, yeah, your your typos really are amazing in your notes. <laughs> yeah, um, I've, uh, I've got crazy Dubai, notes. Your 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 notes said Dubai wanted Christmas tree, pride stick of rock. Everton needs to be included. They're all they're go. all on a par. Yeah. yeah uh, no. No. <laughs> your your typo does bring us to an important point, though. You know, she talks about the fact that country ambassadors, uh, you know, never make the assumption Dubai wanting a Christmas tree, the pride stick of rock. That's a fantastic example. You know that you you make the assumption that a pride stick of rock isn't going to go down well necessarily in some Middle Eastern countries, and absolutely you are wrong, and that yep. is not the case. And you know, colleagues, friends, families loved it. So. Yep. I think that's a really uplifting message as well. And also very, very uh, self-aware of Estelle to be quite open about how they, they didn't necessarily think that would be we'd be welcomed in the way that it was. And, and, and understandably so, you know, they're... We, we only hear about Charolore and all that uh, all that kind of stuff being in its worst form, right? And you can think whatever you want to think, but the reality is there are going to be homosexual people in the Middle East, but they can't, they literally cannot speak about it. So small things like this, mm-hmm. you know, to get you 
to feel included and stuff like that is is a first step. You know, it is, it's a great step. And I think inclusion is one of the most powerful tools a company can have at the moment. You know, if everyone's feeling included yeah. and, <clears throat> and welcomed and, and part of the team, that business is going to thrive. And yeah, they, they wanted yeah. a Christmas tree in Bel- Dubai. Love it. Belonging, Jack. Not longing, belonging. <laughs> um, anyway... Estelle, thank you for coming on the show. Fantastic guest. Really important themes there. Kudos to your little girl knowing the weather all around the world. Uh, (laughs) We are going to go through our quick advert break. We will be back with a short piece of technology news for your Tuesday afternoon. Once a month, Tech Talks opens The Tuck Shop, a YouTube tech news roundup, which is kindly carried by Disruptive Live. Disruptive Live is the UK's first and only 24-7 TV channel for the technology industry. Stay up to date with all the latest industry news by following our regular talk shows broadcast live across the Disruptive Live website and social media channels. You can also catch Disruptive Live at some of the largest global technology events, broadcasting from London, Manchester, Singapore, Dubai, and many more. Welcome back to Tech Talks. Uh, We are taking this piece of news from the next web, TNW. Netflix is testing a feature that lets you speed up boring episodes. This is quite meta, Jack. Um, (laughs) So as many people will be aware, you can play podcasts in sped up form so one yeah. 1.5 or two times the pace because a lot of people do want to get through a lot of content uh and that's been a, a feature of, of audio um for a long long time however netflix are now experimenting with new fe- features to basically change your, your viewing experience wow. so basically you can speed up or slow down video playback um on your phone so up to one and a half times or down to half speed okay okay um and what they're also doing in the app is they're adjusting the pitch of the audio so it doesn't sound weird. And they, they kind of basically said that this feature can help you skip a past a, past a part in an episode uh, to your favorite scene or slowing it down for a fast-paced or foreign uh, language title. Um, I can kind of understand the foreign language title slowing it down maybe, but no, no, what do you think? No, no, I, no. I, I, I'm just generally against this. Yeah, I... I, I... I abhorrently am against this. Uh, a filmmaker, a TV producer does not make a TV program for you to fast forward through it. Um, you're going <laughs> to lose an incredible amount of content. You're going to lose the atmosphere. You're going to lose the mise-en-scene of the piece. You know, if you're going at one and a half speed, everyone's going to sound like they're on helium. It, this well, is... No, no, they're, they're, they're adjusting the pitch. No, they're, they're not. Bollocks to that. Pitch. No, 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 no. It's not going to work. It is not going to work. Like I say, Scorsese doesn't go out there. If you, Scorsese's latest film is going to come out on Netflix, right? The Irishman. You've got in yeah. that Joe Pesci, Al Pacino, Robert De Niro. If any three of those fellas knew you were fast forwarding their incredible acting, their detailed dialogue, and their just outlandish, beautiful emotions, they would slap you. And Scorsese would too. Now, I've got my problems with Scorsese because he said Marvel films aren't films. That's a digression for another show or whatever. But these are auteur filmmakers, TV producers that blood, sweat and tears go into these projects. Respect the project. You shouldn't rush through something. Like, I'll give Rosie for an example, right? She can speed read like no other. But then I ask her a day later what happened to that book and she can only tell me the headlines. You know, uh, these things deserve time. They deserve your attention. If you're not going to give it that, don't bother. Do something that's going to be faster. Play a 30-second game. Go get Connect 4. 
There we go. Netflix. Yes. No. That's yeah. what Jack is saying. That's, that is what Jack is saying. It's covering. Yeah. Uh, look, we're, we're gonna we're gonna leave you be. Um, thank you for tuning in today. Have a lovely Halloween, as we said. Estelle, thanks for being an amazing guest. Jack, I will talk to you soon. <laughs>